Hello, this is Gideon Rothstein, and this is Perik Avdalah, chapter 24 of the book of Mishlei, which we will study with the commentary of the Vilna Gaon, and much of the concern of today's chapter will be the questions of avoiding the temptation of joining with or adopting the ways of those who act wrongly, and the temptation to see them with their temporary successes and to think that we might as well join them. So that's not the whole paragraph, but much of it will be about that. So Pasuk Aleph starts with, Don't envy the evil men, don't desire to be with them. Because so one thing, the Vilna Gaon has it as, don't try to join in their success and don't want to be with them at all. Uh, because, he says, because first of all, all they think about is stealing from other people and finding a way to take it from other people. And then a is that they speak to others to find a way to support their theft habit, to support their abilities to steal from people. So the first reason not to join them, the Gilna Gon is saying, is that they have to get caught up in this evil all the time. And it's not only that as we'll see eventually, they won't even get the money or they'll lose the money or they'll be destroyed. It's that you don't want to live that kind of a life. Why would you want to live a life in which you have to spend all of your time either stealing or thinking about ways to steal or talking to people to set up the environment in which you have the ability to steal. So that's one reason not to join them. The real way, the real wisdom, the real foundations of a house are based on Wisdom and insight, Brahma and Tfuna. Let's say you build a house and set up its foundations. The Vilna Gon says, yeah, you build a house with mitzvot asay, your good deeds, your active deeds, that's what actually builds the house, but the foundations for it are laid by avoiding mitzvot lota asay, by refraining from various prohibitions. The Vilna Gon invokes a principle, ki avira mechaba mitzvah, there's actually a matter of debate, but avira, he believes firmly that when we do a sin, it wipes out a mitzvah that we do. And so when you refrain from doing a sin, then you set the foundations for the house so that the mitzvot say can then build the house. I find the whole typology very interesting because it does point out that it seems like the most active part of our religiosity is the mitzvot say we do. That just not eating treif, just not eating, you know, eating, refraining from eating non-kosher or refraining from uh, violating Shabbat is not the the building of the house. It is the setting the strong foundation. Now you can't build a house without foundation, but then you have to actually also build the house. So the Vilna Gaon is making it clear that it's mitzvot asay. It is our active involvement with Hashem and mitzvot. It's our active construction of a spiritual life that builds the actual house. So the English is, and by knowledge are its rooms filled with all precious and beautiful things. So the mitzvot asay build the house. But then you want to actually fill the house with furniture, with things to make the living in the house pleasant. The Vilna Gaon thinks it is the three types of bodily parts. He doesn't say what they are, but he speaks about the nefesh, ruach, and nishama, and there are three torot, and it's, he's got this whole threefold idea of the humanity that we've seen before, but nefesh, ruach, and nishama are three aspects to our insides, and he'll be understanding Pasuk Dalit to be saying that as we do our mitzvot say, as we fulfill our mitzvot say, we're building the house, we want to furnish it well, furnishing it well involves filling the rooms with the various kinds of wisdom, and the various kinds of honyakar v'naim, and various kinds of of treasures for our nefesh, ruach, and neshamas. So you'd have to understand each of those things to understand exactly what he means. But that's the basic idea is that he's saying that we have to then 
nourish each aspect of our souls, each kind of our souls, with the right kind of wisdom and knowledge and understanding, and that will make the house all that much more beautiful, more well interiorly decorated. Pasuk, hey, gever chacham ba'oz da'ad kalach. A wise man, a strength, a knowledgeable man, exerts power. So we would think this might be a reference back to the earlier psikim where the evil man is thinking about ways to talk, but here it's saying that it's really the wise man who has the real power. The Vilna Gon says the real power that we're talking about is that he's stronger than Asarashli team, than the ten rulers. He doesn't elaborate that. We are not going to elaborate on them, but that's like the ten body parts that you have or the ten fingers and that you'll be strong outwardly and inwardly in terms of uh, having strength over yourself. Gives you power and strength. I think he thinks externally as well. It'll make you healthier. It'll make you more able to do tasks of this world. But it'll also give you the internal strength to control yourself and to stay away from your own, each person's own particular wrongful desires and wrongful issues. Because with these kinds of insight, for by stratagems you wage war and victory comes with much planning, I assume you will already understand that Vilna Gaon's vision of war here is the achievement of mitzvot, the performance of mitzvot, and to achieve the mitzvot, you need to battle your yetzer hara, your, our yetzer, our internal inclinations are to not do mitzvot, which can be inconvenient or unpleasant or take effort, and therefore we need tachbulot, we need strategies to stop it, to battle it, and win against it, to stop it from keeping us from doing mitzvot say and it also wants to get us to mitzvot lo say so we need strategies, we need tachbulot to avoid that, and berovio eights for chua. So he says, these are the sodot that need eitzah. These are the internal secrets, the esoteric secrets that the real is very invested in. He would say in Kabbalah and things like that. There are four levels of that. There's Chochmah, there's Dat, there's Bina, and there's eitzah. And they have to get those by the Rovio Eitz, by seeking others to learn from. Because it's an esoteric form of knowledge. It's not just acquired on its own. And then he points out that eitzah is also Dat. But Dat is internally and eitzah is externally. So that theme I thought was worth pointing out for the real that the wisdom that he's talking about is not only a wisdom that, oh, you're a better person inside, you know everything inside, it's that you have control of your inside, you have a better knowledge and control of yourself inside, but also that knowledge is expected to express itself in a knowledge and understanding of bachutz as well, of the outer world as well. Ramot la'evil chokhmot Part of being an avil, a, a fool, is that wisdom is too lofty for him. He doesn't open his mouth and negate the Vilna Gon says, what does that mean? It means, according for the avil, Chachmot are like a perfect jewel in the in the city gate, so they're out there. And even though it's not right next to him, he won't open his mouth to take it, and that's part of being a Neville. So a Neville is not only somebody who can't achieve wisdom, it's that even when wisdom is right there and simple to find and to get, will not do so. That's the definition of a Neville for the Vilnagon. If somebody doesn't do good to other people, but always thinks, or in general, always thinks about, thinks about doing bad and evil. So they call him a Baal Mezimot. They call him a person of, it's called a schemer. So you might think that's a negative thing, but it means they call him a schemer, but then the Vilna says, and other schemers will come and gather to him. So I think he's setting us up to understand that it's not true that evil people immediately fail and immediately have bad happen to them. This person, people call him a schemer, they call him Baal Mizimot, might not even be a schemer, schemer in English has a negative connotation, but it also means somebody who has good strategies, good ideas, good plans for the future. So he's always thinking. The problem is he's always thinking 
for wrong. You could also have a person who's a Baal Mizimot, who's always thinking about ways to do good. But the person who always thinking about ways to do bad will be called a Baal Mizimot. They'll think of him as a strategist. That's probably a better word than schemer. And then you'll have other people will gather to him. And the point is that you have to understand that just because people are gathering to him, just because people are assuming that's the way to go, does not mean that that is true. The schemes of folly, or the strategies of folly, are sin, and a scoffer is an abomination to man. So that, that the the strategy of these of an evelet is always to do towards sin, and it's eventually going to lead to loss and to negativity and to and to things going wrong, and it's going to produce eventually or. A person who is a Leitz will be already a Tovat Adam. So that an Ivelet is on the road to becoming a Leitz, but, but the actual Leitz is somebody who everybody recognizes is wrong. So there are different kinds of evil, different kinds of people who do evil, and there are those that are easily recognizable and those that are not easily recognizable. But we have to know, uh, both. If you, Refrain from rescuing, oh, I'm sorry, if you showed yourself slack in times of trouble, you'll be wanting in power. So, so we've been talking about until now, we're shifting into something else, but we've been talking until now about not joining certain kinds of people and not respecting certain kinds of people. And that's what this puzzle sort of seems to be finishing off. If you refrain from doing the right thing, then that will be a, a loss of power to yourself. Now we turn to a new topic. You have to save people being taken off to death, and those condemned to slaughter. You have to save them. So, Rebbe Velnagon says, uh, So, Lamavit means death, and Lehareg means to be killed. The Velnagon says that's because we have two, there are two ways in which people can be destroyed internally by their bad characteristics. That's what he calls a ta'avani, or the appetitive we would call it, or the lustful, and the ka'asani, the angry emotions, I, I think is the way we would say it. So, Ereg, when it says, Almatim lehareg, that's the cast, because Hereg is a violent thing. The people whose appetites, whose internal lusts, lead them to do violent kinds of things, and those are the lehareg, and the people giving into that aspect of themselves are, are one kind of a person, and then the people who just give into their lust, that's just death. It's not an active, violent kind of thing. It's just leading them to death. So if you see somebody who is indulging too much in food, in wrong kinds of food and things like that, that would be the ta'avah, that would be the ma'avet. And then people who are actually going further than that and going to things that are uh, giving into their asani aspect, their their appetites of, of angry emotions, of really destructive kinds of things in and of themselves. So that would be matim hareg. And the point of the pasuk is that we have to try to save, we are obligated to try to save people from either Ones of these, whether they're doing it in speech or in action, we're trying to be say we're we are required to try to save such people from themselves if we can. Because you might say we don't know that we could have saved these people. We don't know that we could have done anything. So if that's really true, then you'd be safe. But you need to know that Hashem knows what's inside of us, knows our abilities. So it's not just Hashem knows what we were thinking. Hashem knows our abilities, knows what we could have done. And if we could have done something, then Hashem will call us to account for that. So here the Vilnagon is understanding and assuming a deep responsibility on our parts to do our best, not just for ourselves. That's one one first step for sure we have to do. But beyond that, if we have ways to help people 
overcome their baser selves, we're required to do that. Pasuk, Yudgimel echal b'ni devash kitov v'nofet matok al chikacha. So the literal translation is, my son eat honey for it is good, let its sweet drops be on your palate. Uh, the, um, the Vilna Gona says this to be referenced to Dea, Bina, and Seichel, to all the kinds of intellect and understanding of the world. But he says you have to eat them in a way, you have to have them be on your palate in a way that you don't uh, vomit them up, that you don't have too much of them, you have to keep them in the proper amounts that you can assimilate them and absorb them and benefit from them. Such is wisdom for your soul, Cain, if you attain it, if there is a there is a future, your hope will not be cut off. That uh, now, so the, the Vilna Gaon. So you might have thought, I might have thought the Vilna Gaon would have focused on the eternal aspect of it that you get this lastingness out of this. But he focuses on the fact that it's also it says You have to hold it within you and not reveal it. And and even if it takes you a lot of effort not to reveal it, and even if Getting it takes a lot of effort. And don't worry because you will get the full reward for it. But that element, that thread of esotericism, the idea that the knowledge that you achieve might not be knowledge that you're allowed to share with others. You have to keep for yourself, even if it's knowledge that could benefit others. That is a theme we've seen before and that I think comes up again and again and I think behooves us as we follow these prakim to think about that for all that we may think of ourselves as wise and knowledgeable and intelligent and understanding of various things it could be that the really wise people have all this knowledge out there they they don't feel that they're allowed to reveal to us because it's not the time for it yet I just recently had an occasion where I saw somebody who I assume feels like he had deeper inter, in no, deeper knowledge and I thought it wasn't correct or true so I won't say the details but sharing it with people who certainly weren't ready to uh, to absorb it and certainly re- weren't ready to understand it in any way approaching the way in which it was really given, originally given. So that is, I think, what the Vilna Gaon is suggesting is that you have to be careful in acquiring the knowledge and then you have to be careful in, in who one shares it with and that can take a battle, but that the reward for doing so for properly guarding knowledge and only letting it out to the extent that it is relevant to and will educate the people around them is an important piece of knowledge. It also, assuming that it's true, it also... Uh, has a big problem for things like academic Jewish studies because, you know, we try to assume we know who the Rambam was based on his writings, whether Vilna Gaon was based on his writings, but if these people very strongly felt there were things they couldn't put down, so just to go back to the Rambam for a second, the Morin of is filled with comments in which he says, know this or understand this or delve into this, there's a whole world of thought that the Rambam seems to be saying he's not going to give us because we're not ready for it yet. So who was the Rambam really? I think we have no right to assume we know. We only know what the Reverend chose to share with us, and we could assume that it's the at least a relevant, important part of who he was. We don't think he was lying. I don't think he was lying to us in anything he wrote, but there may have been shades, nuances, or even whole realms of understanding that we never were Zoch, we never merited, because he never felt that it was the time, right time to share with us. Wicked man, there's a warning to them. Do not lurk by the home of the righteous man. Do not do not do no violence to his dwelling. So it's a warning to them that they and because he says the Rishaim, evil people are sort of waiting and they're hoping that Tzadikim, the righteous people, will leave Torah and leave their proper ways and they'll grab them. And that so that image I think is an important one. It's not just that Rishaim traveled a different path than 
tzaddikim. It's that they have, they're bothered by tzaddikim doing what they're doing and they hope and they are interested in uh, leading them astray from that path. So then what's Nevei Tzadik and Rov Tso? The Gon says Rov Tso is the place you go for a little while. You lie down in the field like an animal lies down. A Nevei though is its pasture, its own meadow, the place where it generally lives. So that's Olam Haba, is where you generally live and that's where the Nefesh, Ruach and Neshama are really. And Or, he says, so that would mean then in that reading that the Rishaim shouldn't try to hurt the Tzedekim in Olam Hazad, that's the Rov Tso. And also, in Olam Haba, they shouldn't think they're going to be involved with them and they're going to get them at all there. And then another option is, the Beit HaMidrash is Nevei Tzadik, and Rov Tso is the Beit HaKneset, part of the Revealing Ones theme that he comes up with a few times, that active mitzvot are not the real stuff of of Avodah Hashem, they're the beginning parts of it, they're Rov Tso, they're the temporary parts of it, but the debate of Midrash where you sit and you learn and you understand God's Torah, and then from there, you go on to do mitzvot, that's the real place that the tzaddik, that the righteous person lives, and the Rishayim are being warned not to get involved in either of those. Because tzaddik will fall, can fall even seven times without anybody to help him, doesn't matter, he's eventually going to get up because Hashem comes to help him. So that's a perspective also on how much we pay attention to the temporary setbacks that people or ideas have in this world. We say, oh, we all now know that that wasn't right because it fell, because it lost. So the answer is, it can fall seven times, but Hashem will always be there to pick it back up. Whereas Rasha'im, even though there are many of them, even though they succeed for a long time, once one thing comes along, they'll be wiped away, they'll be destroyed, Never to return. Don't be happy when your enemy falls and when he trips, don't uh, have any joy because then Hashem might be angry about that, might be unhappy with that and will remove his anger from that person. So the Vilna Gaon just points out that bin Yivcha is at the beginning when they start to fall, and then Al-Yikavibecha is when they've really fully fallen, and then if you have joy about that, then Hashem can be upset about it. It's a difficult puzzle, but we don't have time to fully go into it, but the difficulty is that is that why should Hashem be angry or upset about our rejoicing in it, and why, especially if the Rasha deserves the punishment that he'll get it, that he'll be getting, why should Hashem change it just because we get happy about it? So the Vilna Gaon doesn't enter that, and there we won't either, but you can find discussions of that both in commentaries on Mishlei and in commentaries on Birkei Avot, but just a question to be aware of. But that's what the Pasuk warns us about, that even when evil falls, we shouldn't be rejoicing about it, and, and if we do inappropriately, that might be cause for Hashem to give evil a reprieve and let them have another opportunity and let them not not fall and not be destroyed as much as they otherwise would have. Don't try to compete with... Uh, don't be vexed is what the JPS says. We, I think, now we say don't compete with them. But don't be vexed by evildoers or incensed by the wicked. Right, so the Vilagon Altifchai says, Liyot Kamerein, to be like them. Don't try to be like them because you see that they're succeeding. That's something that I point out. It's something that he's concerned about in this parak. That's another reason why we'd want to avoid taking their example. Is not only that it won't be good for you, you'll have to live that kind of a life. It's, don't be jealous of them. Because they won't have any lasting success. There's no future. Their lamp, the lamp of the wicked, will go out. So the Vilna Gaon says, it's Torah is or, is light. And 
and mitzvot are like a nair. Torah you can't ever put out. But mitzvot are like a nair. And therefore, since, as we've said before, sin destroys mitzvot or wipes out mitzvot, that's what it means, nair v'sha'im yidach. It means their candle will be extinguished because they'll have so many evil deeds that they will uh, extinguish all of their good deeds. So that's another reason not to be jealous of them. But the reason why we might be jealous of them is that they have some kind of temporary success. And so part of the theme, as I said before, for this barrack for the Vilna Gaon is to realize that even though they do so, we need to understand that that's a temporary thing. We need to keep our eyes focused on the eternal and what's really of ultimate importance and value. And then we'll follow the right path. And that's because of Alav Yira et Hashem Bini Vamelech Im Shonim Al Tit Arab. In other words, the Vilna Gaon says, in other words, he says the words, in other words, Klomar, that is to say, don't get mixed up with them. Rather, fear Hashem. And then he says, so there's, with those who shonim is worse to some extent than regular Hashem. Shonim are those who grew up in good and understood good and then changed the evils. For them, you can't even mix. Not only you can't have a deep relation with them, you can't even mix with them. And again, it's even if he throws in, even if you see them having great, great success, you nonetheless are not allowed to get involved with them. That's a, not that he brings it up, but that's an interesting question in terms of, let's suppose that you saw somebody being extremely successful who was once upon a time observant. Once upon a time, I paused it because I thought of somebody exactly like that, who I had this challenge about, who was extraordinarily successful. So you could think financially or academically or just in their career, they achieved the top of their profession, but they were once upon a time observant, they were once upon a time trained in the ways of wisdom and knowledge and understanding, and they then leave it. So the Vilna Gond is saying, even if they succeed well, you shouldn't get involved with them at all. You might think, I'll get involved with them. Pasuk Avet says exactly this, because suddenly, Pasuk uh, Avet, yeah, for disaster comes to them, suddenly the doom both decree who can foreknow. Right? So the Vilna Gond says, don't think that you'll say to yourself, well, I'll go with them until there are times of trouble come and then I'll abandon them. Right now, I'll just hop on their bandwagon. I'll gain from association with them. And then when their times come, I'll get off. That's why it says, it'll come all of a sudden. And it'll come, they'll go insist on those who are mixed with them as well. They will get caught up in whatever disaster, tragedy, downfall, Comes to this, you think I'll become, you know, this person's a tremendous investment advisor. He makes billions of dollars. He grew up in an observant home, and he, this is not true as far as I know of Madoff, so I'm not talking about that, although it sounds like it, but he grew up in an observant home, and he has become the top of his field. I'll just become his assistant, I'll go up in the world with him, and I will join him, and then I'll get out beforehand. Now, there may be people who actually succeeded doing that, but they're willing to go into saying the Mishnah is telling us it's the wrong strategy to adapt, because nonetheless, nonetheless, you might get caught up in their downfall because it comes suddenly. You never know when it's going to happen. You never know it's going to, and therefore you shouldn't do it. Just don't get involved with them. These also are by the sages not right. It's not right to be partial in judgment. So, the uh, Vilna Gomez said, and that's what the JPS has also. is saying the statements that are about to come are also by important sages. The Vilna Gomez says important sages to me, and he points out that the books of Tehillim and Mishlei are books in which 
in which other people's sayings are gathered. It's not just David HaMelech. They also put there, this is Vilna Gaon talking, not me. And it's not biblical criticism. He's saying that that's what Tehillim and Mishle, uh, that when Hashem Knesset put together Tehillim and Mishle, they gather together in those books, not only the words of David HaMelech and Shlomo HaMelech, but they also put in there, so in David HaMelech, they put in other ways of praising God that had been put together by other people with Ruach HaKodesh. And when it came to Mishle, and that's like Mizmor Asaf, so that's really by a guy named Asaf. That's the way the Vilna Gaon understands it. And also in Mishle, they gathered together all sorts of wisdom and knowledge that came from other people like Agur and Lemuel and people like that. So, um, so, so that's what he's saying. Then here's a problem with the actual statement here in our in our apostle. It's not good to recognize uh, to be partial in judgment. He says, "What kind of wisdom is that?" Everybody knows that. Why does everybody know that? Because the pasuk in the Torah. Just want to pause to note that the Vilna Gaon assumes, as the Gemara assumes, others assume, as we should all be able to assume, but we can. If it's a pasuk in the Torah, we should know that we should know it. But it's not always true. There are people out there, I assume, who don't know what's in. The Torah, and therefore, Hakir Panim would just be a good pasuk on its own. But assuming that Mishlei would fall in with the general Jewish assumption that Jews are supposed to know the Torah itself, then you want to wonder why you would include a pasuk like this. So he says, the Vilnagon, that the meaning of these things, when you recognize, uh, when you are partial in judgment, and you turn towards one side or the other, and you're Makir Panim, you recognize a face, meaning you, because of your knowledge of a person, your acquaintance with a person, deal with them better and give them more of the benefit of the doubt than they should have had in the judgment. So it's Baal Tov. It's not good. Not that's just that the judgment isn't good, but the goodness goes out of the world to fill the Gaon. It affects the whole world. And he quotes a Gemara that says that once you had Makiri, a lot of Makiri Panim, Bamishpa, you had a lot of people who were in judgment being Makir Panim, recognizing the litigants and dealing with one litigant better than the other because they know him or her. Batla uh, Omachut Shamayim. The fear of God really went away, or was hurt, or was nullified, and therefore we were put under the rule of of the other nations. In other words, for the Vilna Gaon, it's absolutely true. I think it's worth considering that our actions, even in small things like litigations among people, can affect the political independence of the Jewish people. And it was from the time, that, according to that Kamar, from the time that we failed to litigate properly and appropriately, that was the point where we also demonstrated our lack of full Yerat Shemayim, full fear of God. And from there, we went to failing to have political independence. So that one venue, one uh, avenue, I should say, one road to a, ref- uh, a renewed political independence would be getting back to a full and a better lack of Hakarat Panim Mishpat litigation of court cases. If you say to the evil person, uh, here, the JBS thinks it's the guilty, you are innocent, he should be cursed by people, he's amuhu umim, damned by the nations. So then the God says this is talking about just, not just in court cases, but in general. If you say, laratova, latovra, if you say something that's good is bad, and bad is good, just being part of that, of, of giving the wrongful impression of what is supposed to happen, and what is true, and what is good, and what is valuable, that in itself will call upon you curses. So that as we speak about what's good or not, it's important to identify good as good and evil as evil. And the people who actually 
say the truth. In other words, the people who say La Ratova and Otovra that we saw in the previous passage who say with evil is good and good is evil, they're really doing it to try to flatter people and get ahead and have people like them. And the, what will happen instead is they'll bring it down upon themselves curses. But the people who are Mochichim, who say the truth and who point out the truth, they will at least eventually get pleasantness because people will know that they're not, that they're honest, that, that you can trust them and that they produce good justice and all those things and they will eventually get, uh, and they will eventually get good and also because of them the world will get good because if they produce real good justice again for all the people might resist it to begin with, that will be the road back to a world in which there's true Yerat in which, at least for the Jews, there's better independence in which societies are running better. Giving a straightforward reply is like giving a kiss. That's where the JPS has it. It's It's like a kiss when you say right and true and good things. The Vilna Gon has that as a possibility. That He says, They deserve a kiss. Or it could be that the people here who are the evildoers will have to purse their lips as if they're giving a kiss because they won't have any answer because you're saying the truth. And therefore, you're telling them what they did wrong. You're telling them the right way to go. They won't have any reply to it. Um... I would only point out that I'm not sure that that's true today. I think that, I, I, mean, I think there are many people who will say the truth and find that people around them have many ways to reply, no, that's not true, no, you're wrong, but that's what the Vilna Gon understood. Or uh, you should turn to such people. Or he says, possibly you start off by telling them what they're doing wrong, but you have to also show them the good way and you have to show them a positive thing. It's not enough to just say, oh, you're evil and bad. You have to show them good ways. And that's what I mean. You try to give them a kiss as well, not a physical kiss, but a pleasant uh, perspective as well. It's not just, oh, you're bad. It's, you're bad, and let me show you how to become good. First, prepare your work, prepare your career, and then your fields, and after that, build your house. The Vilna Gaon attend this first literally, that first you should set up a positive, a proper economic, you should develop your career, and after that, get married. And there was a time in world history where people did this. The problem with that is that if you wait till you have a good career to get married, especially as careers took longer and longer to build up, people would wait longer and longer to get married and that has all sorts of other halachic dangers and problems to it in terms of proper sexuality. But that was one strategy. Then he goes on to say, but that might not only be in terms of literally what you should do, it might also be in terms of our Torah study. That we should first start with Mikra, with Tanakh, as Chazal and Pirkei Avot certainly understood, and, therefore, and build those foundations. And then we get married by marrying the true Torah, the Gemara and Halakha and things like that. But you have to build up on that. Another possibility is also that you should start off with mitzvot and then build up from there to Torah and build up from there to the esoteric parts of Torah. In each case, meaning that the way to really succeed at things is to start from the foundation, build good foundations, and then move on to the higher levels. Okay, the last few psikkim, there is no Vilnagon issues that I thought were with sharing with you, but we'll read the psukim to make sure we understand them. Don't be a witness against your fellow without good cause. Would you mislead him with your speech? In other words, don't use your speech against somebody unless they deserve it. Don't give false testimony. Don't lead them in the wrong kind of way because that's an inappropriate thing to do. Don't say, I'll do to him what he did to me. I'll just give him back what he gets, we have a prohibition of not taking revenge, and therefore you can't say that as well. I've passed by the field of a lazy man, the vineyard of a man without a heart, meaning he doesn't understand how the future is going to hold. It was all overgrown with thorns. 
Its surface was covered with chickweed and its stone fence lay in ruins because that's part of what being lazy is. You don't take care of things that need taken care of. So I looked at it and I saw it and I learned a lesson from it. So that's an important thing. Not only that we should try to help such people get away from themselves and overcome themselves, that we have to make sure that we learn these lessons from it. And that's an important aspect of viewing other people's activities. Sometimes people say, oh, you're being so judgmental. It's a judgmental thing to try to say they're bad or lazy or evil or whatever it is, but part of the importance of it is for us to learn our own lessons and learn to improve ourselves based on that. A bit more sleep, a bit more slumber, a bit more hugging yourself in bed. That's what the English has. And poverty will come calling upon you and want like a man with a shield. In other words, if you just say, oh, a little more sleep, a little more this, and you just slowly put yourself into the path of not doing what you need to be doing, and you fall into laziness, and it can be step by step. Oh, I'm just going to sleep another five minutes, another ten minutes, or I'm just going to spend a Sunday lazing around, and that will lead you in the path of laziness and of losing things and of not having what you need and take you down into poverty and want, which we certainly want to try to avoid. Have a great day.